Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show, bringing you inside rumors and transactions around the league with your hosts, Keith Smith and Trevor Lane. Brought to you by LakersNation.com and CLNS Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. We're back. We've got all kinds of basketball goodness to break down with you today. Guys, we've got some amazing stuff to talk about. A really weird contract with Nene and the Houston Rockets. Kind of interesting. Shams Durrani was just talking about new rules regarding tampering. That's right. The NBA Fund Police are going to be going to be trying to lock down tampering in the NBA. Can they do it? I don't think so, but we're going to talk all about that. Plus, we're going to dive into the Bulls, the Grizzlies, and the Utah Jazz. Tons to go over. Joining me, as always, is Keith Smith from Yahoo Real GM and Celtics Blog. Keith. Man, first of all, thank goodness that everything turned out okay. Keith, we know a lot of our listeners know as well that you were on Hurricane Watch for a while there. Yeah, we were. Hurricane Dorian, thankfully for us, stayed out to sea, and we saw very little impact here. Just kind of more of a bad thunderstorm than anything else for us here in Central Florida. But all you know, best wishes to everyone in the Bahamas, Abaco Island, and all the affected areas. You know, hopefully you guys can get back on your feet. I highly encourage folks. There are a lot of really fantastic charities out there right now that are doing good things, and those are are, are folks who don't have a lot to begin with. So if you can help out please go help out with that but yeah for us it was just it was just a long uh, couple weeks this thing took forever to to get by and and here so we were on hurricane watch for a while but everything uh you know smooth sailing for us here in central florida so we appreciate that i appreciate all the folks who reached out via twitter and email and all sorts of ways to you know wish us well that that we, we we did just fine so uh please again you know if you if you're able you know help out the folks in in the bahamas and abaco island because they, they can definitely use a lot of help but, you know just a uh you know rough and devastation for them but but we're back here and you know we're we're ready to talk talk uh talk some nba basketball uh we have a real transaction to talk about which is uh you know for a guy like 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 me and if you're listening to this show you probably got super into the to the nerdiness of this it's uh fantastic so i think yeah we're we're ready to go and uh you know, I think that's where we want to start, right, Trevor? Yeah, you know, I'd like to start with this, uh, with Nene's contract, and then we'll get into the tampering stuff. So I was actually, I was texting you earlier today, Keith, and I, and I told you that even going through this a few times, it was still a, I'm still a little bit unclear on exactly what this means, but all I know is Daryl Morey is a genius if I'm truly understanding the bottom line of this deal. So Keith, why don't you break it down? Because I'm sure, like myself, a lot of our listeners and a lot of people who have been reading about this deal are a little bit fuzzy on exactly how this is all going to work. Yeah, I'll tell you if you're we're we're going to break it down here for you on the 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 show here, but if you're interested in hearing uh or reading rather I should say a more in-depth breakdown, Jeff Siegel from earlybirdrights.com. So it's just all one word, earlybirdrights.com, like the the type of free agent. He did a really great breakdown on this uh Nene contract tracked and and what it means and how it all works so i would hi excuse me i have the hiccups i'm getting all excited (laughs) it's this this contract goofy goofy contract yeah um so jeff did a fantastic job breaking all this down uh over there at early bird right so go find his article on that but but for those of you listening if you're in the car obviously don't try to go read an article about this we're going to break it down for you here so here's the 
easy way to think of it. So we're going to start with what's easy. It's a two-year contract. It's $10 million this year. It's $10 million next year. $20 million total, unrestricted free agent in the 2021-22 season. So two more years for, for Nene in Houston. Now, here's where it gets slightly more complicated. That second season is fully non-guaranteed. It's guaranteed date, though, unlike being June or early July, like we see with a lot of these contracts, is actually six days following the 20. 20- 20 NBA trade deadline. So it's, I believe it is uh, February 15th mm. is, is when it is, uh, that's a guarantee date. So it's essentially, if Nene doesn't get traded, stays with the Rockets, they're going to fully guarantee that 10 million. Now, here's where it gets really, uh, this is where it gets real fun. So, so we said 10 million, right? That's right. easy enough. 10 million. What's so complicated about that? Non guaranteed second year. All right. Well, this is the part that got me too here. Yeah, this is where it gets weird. So what they did was they made the base money in the contract is very small. It's essentially the equivalent to the veteran minimum. Slight, slight, just a slight slight bit more than that. So it's about two. uh, I'm going to use some rounding figures Mm -hmm. here just to make it a little easier on us. It's about 2.6 million uh, or so in that first year is um, that's how much Nene is guaranteed to get. Second year works similarly to that. If it does become guaranteed, it's a, it's about 2.7 million or so. In that second year. Um, now, here's what happens, though. Here, here's where it gets gets goofy. The in order for Nene to qualify for the 10 million, he one of the the triggers in there is that it's it's what's termed as a likely bonus, and that likely bonus is the team winning 52 games. So the team he is on at the end of the season has to have won 52 games. So now how bonuses work in the NBA under the CBA is they're termed either likely or unlikely. The only determinator if something is likely or unlikely is did it happen the season before? So for Nene with the Rockets, the Rockets won at least 52 games. I don't have their number in front of me, but it was more than that. So that means that's a likely bonus. So the cap hit for the Houston Rockets for Nene is the full 10 million. Now, where it gets goofy though is if they trade him to, let's say, well, I want to pick on the Suns more, but we've, we've been <laughs> picking on them enough. Let's say they trade him to the Suns and the Suns are not, did not win 52 games last year. That converts to an unlikely bonus. And Nene's cap hit for the Suns is only that 2.6 million, just shy of 2.6 million. Right. The, the, the 10 million is what still sits there. If the Suns somehow have a surprising season, they win 52 games. He gets up to the 10 million. Where it gets even more complicated and crazy is it changes his evaluation on the money that they can send out. So what works in the favor for the Rockets is they would be sending him out. Um, he would count on their side as $10 million salary going out, not the 2.6. And for the team coming in, if they're if, if it, he's going to a team that didn't win at least 52 games, he only counts at the $2.6 because that's the number that's going on their cap. So it really allows for Houston to make a very unbalanced salary match trade um, for the reality. I, a lot of people are already going, well, that's, there's, they're, they're almost there now. Add one, about one more mid range contract, 3 million or so. And you're right there for Andre Guadala, right. Uh, or say somebody of that, that ilk. So, so Houston really did a good job. Uh, I, I talk a lot about this. This is a term I stole from Danny LaRue, but I think it's perfect is the human trade exception. 
I went into detail on this why I thought that's what Houston should do with Amon Shumpert. They should have resigned him to a contract that was worth, say, $15 million or so for one year because then that gives you $15 million in trade matching. That's essentially what they did here with Nene, just using a couple different layers of creativity. Now, the good thing is here's what also factors in for the team. So let's say let, let's say they trade let's let's say it is Iguodala. Let's just say, you know, that's how this works out. They go, they get Andre Iguodala who comes in. Mm-hmm. Iguodala now comes in and the Grizzlies probably don't really have a lot of need for Nene. So what the Grizzlies can do is they can just hold him for the rest of the year. Um, they're probably not going to win 52 games. It's going to be so 2.6 million is all they're going to end up paying out of that minus whatever Houston had already actually paid him. But then their next year, they don't want 10 million on their books, so they just waive them if they can't trade them again by the trade deadline. You waive them shortly after that trade, or shortly after the trade deadline before that guarantee date kicks in, and now all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're that's that money is all off your books you you know 2.6 million and nothing else so so houston really set it up quite well where nene is taken care of if he stays with the rockets he's going to get a lot of money the question that has come up is but why would he agree to this because it sounds like they're just going to flip him off to somewhere that's going to be and he's only going to make 2.6 million that's all he was going to make anyway he's a lead minimum guy at this point he wasn't going to get the 10 million exactly he did opt out of about a three million dollar guarantee for this season but I think at this point, if you're in an A, you know, you know, hey, if I opt out, like you gave me the chance to pick a different option, that obviously never came came to fruition. So I'll stay in Houston for as long as need be, and then on the flip side, what I'll do is they'll um, end up giving me this uh, contract, and I'll you know, I'll either get ten million or I'll get two point six. Either way, it's a little bit more than what I was probably going to get anyway. Right. So it makes a lot of sense from his end. Now, let's say that they do trade him to, say, you know, the Grizzlies or the Suns or, or whoever. That team getting him can send out a lot more salary than what they're actually taking back in because they're only taking yeah. in that, that 2.6. So right. for a team, like even if you're, even if you matched it exactly and you sent out 10 million, you're saving yourself what seven and a half million right there yep. just, just in that one move. So this is, this is a brilliant, brilliant contract, I think, by the Houston Rockets and is going to give them some leverage to add firepower to their team. And look, maybe it happens right away. Maybe it happens early in the season or maybe it happens at the trade deadline. Either way, if you're a team that is looking to shed some salary you've and you you know you're not going to win a lot of games, you've got to be looking at this Nene con- contract and kind of you know licking your chops and thinking about what you could do here because this could be very, very enticing for a number of teams. And so, you know, once again... Daryl Morey, light years. Um, this is uh, incredible. I was blown away when I was when I was kind of digesting what this all meant. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if more teams try this now. I think this is going to be kind of the light bulb moment where teams go, "Oh man, we can really do something like this," and we'll see mm-hmm. some more teams try to pull this off. Yeah, it's going to be the right kind of player. It's going to be a guy who really is a more of a league minimum kind of guy at the end of their career type of guy like that. He's going to have enough faith in the organization that they're going to try to do the right thing by him and those kind of things. And then I think it's interesting, too, because if you remember, let's go back a few years when Nene first joined the Rockets, it was well publicized. They screwed up what's called the over 38 rule, which is you can't have you know X amount of money 
guy and a guy passed past 38 years of age. And that was, that was a big deal. And they, they ended up having the contract voided. It, it wasn't even really voided. It was just never approved by the NBA because it was found to be an illegal contract and they had to rework that and resign him. And now here they are with this. This is one I kind of expect to see. There'll be some discussion in the next round of CBA talks of, well, right. wait, like you, you know, it, to be very clear, Houston did not do anything wrong. They did not break any rules, no. but there are, uh, there's rules and then there's spirit of the spirit of the law, spirit of the rules. And this is definitely, uh, in that territory, if you will, with that. So, you know, but overall, you know, great, good, good work by Houston's front office. And, you know, whether it's Daryl Morey or, uh, someone else in their office, you know, maybe one of their cap guys or something was like, Hey, we could do this. And, and they, they jumped all over it. Good on Nene and his team for signing it. And, you know, my guess is he does not make it to the trade deadline with the Rockets that he's, he's moved at some point. Cause that's really what you did this contract for. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and, you know, I, I had asked a couple people about Nene and just, you know, where he was going to land. And one of the answers that I repeatedly got back was this guy is probably, he'll probably sign later in the year. You know, sometime, you know, maybe after the holidays mm. or, you know, buyout season or something like that, because he doesn't want to go through training camp. He doesn't want to do all right. these things. And now in Houston, he's really he's the third big on the depth chart because he's going to be behind uh, both Clint Capella and Tyson Chandler. So, you know, so now he gets to go. I imagine that will give him plenty of time off throughout training camp and he'll be able to rest up and, and do mm. his thing. But, yeah, it's uh, it's it's, you know, good, good work by Houston's front office here. Good work by everybody involved to, you know, really make something out of nothing. Yeah, impressive stuff. And you know what, Keith? I was so fired up and so excited to get into this Nene contract because it is. <laughs> I mean, for for cap specialists, it, it's like the uh, it's like the holy grail to see a move a move like that get done. Um, yep. I was so excited. I forgot to mention that that hey, we always want to give a big thanks to LakersNation.com and of course uh, CLNS Media who uh, who support us and of course our show sponsor for today, uh, BetOnline.ag. You can use the promo code CLNS50 and get a fifty percent welcome bonus. See, uh, BetOnline.ag is your home for online gambling. We'll chat a bit more about them later, but I do want to get into this the story that broke this morning. Um, tampering. Shams Charania of the Athletic said that NBA teams were sent a memo today uh, or this week at some point saying that uh, they needed to cut down on tampering and there was going to be some increased fines going up uh, in exchange for tampering with a player or personnel. You could be fined up to $10 million instead of $5 million. Uh, if you sign an unauthorized free uh, agreement with a free agent, you could be penalized $6 million for the team, $250,000 for the player. They're working on cracking down on tampering and trying to limit player-to-player -player tampering, which to me is a, is a giant red flag. I don't know how they're actually going to do that without going all big brother on teams, but they're also going to ask for team owners to personally certify that their team has operated within the rules each season. Uh, and I, I saw some stuff going around about, about, about potentially auditing five teams per season at random. We'll see how random that that really is probably about as random as Alex Caruso suddenly getting a, a, a random drug test after that Photoshop picture of him <laughs> went around in the Lakers uh, training room where he looked like freaking Captain America. In fact, that's our new nickname for him is he's Captain America now. Um, but Keith, what do you think? What's your thought on this whole tampering issue? We saw a bunch of teams throw caution to the wind this summer and tamper away and agreements get done well in advance of the actual start of free agency. 
Yeah, I think this is two things. One is I think we we've talked about this before, and I know your your team that you cover, the Lakers, mm-hmm. they've been dinged. They've been one of the teams that was you know Magic Johnson just did it. He was a little too brazen about it. He winked you know, a little too hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know when you come out and openly say we're going to try to sign other teams players when they're under contract that's a problem and you know and it is what it is i I think the i think the idea here is good i don't know how the execution will be that's what i'm a little worried about i I think you're going to see ultimately at the end of the day what 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 we're going to end up uh, have happen here with with this tampering is it's so hard it's going to be so hard to prove right and now i think what you can see is the NBA if they want to. And that's going to be the important part is how much do they want to? They want to. They can go to like the Celtics and say, all right, prove to us how you got a full max deal with Kemba Walker worked out in five seconds after we opened free agency. How? You know, explain that to us. And then that's where I think those are the things they're trying to avoid. I, I think they don't want, you know, I mean, we all knew Kemba would free agency opened at six on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I think we all knew Kemba was going to the Celtics by, you know, seven or eight o'clock on Friday night. They, they was rumored that that deal was already done. And that's what I think they want to avoid is things like that. I, I, I know they don't like the idea of, uh, you know, two, three players getting together and talking about teaming up, you know, years in advance or uh, trying to direct their themselves to only one destination, especially if they're under contract, because that that hurts that the the incumbent teams trade, you know, uh, ability to make a good and fair trade. So I think I think it's all great stuff. I'm just curious to see how much can they enforce and how much do they even bother? I think that's the well, what I'm stuck on a little bit here. Yeah, that's the big question for me here. I, I get what you're saying about the about deals getting announced well in advance of free agency technically beginning. And so that's it's just it's making it obvious that clearly tampering was going on. Clearly teams aren't playing by the rules, but everyone kind of knew this already. It was just more brazen and more out there now than ever before. Yeah. And and we saw it really across the board. It wasn't like it was just one team doing it. It was a lot of teams doing it, just saying, hey, you know what, this is happening. And in order to keep up, in order to stay competitive, we have to do it too. We have to break these rules. I think maybe Mitch Kupchak is the only one who really doesn't do that. He's infamous for following <laughs> those rules to the, to the letter, but everybody else is pretty much doing it. So I can see why they would want to crack down on that, but it's the player to player thing. That just that gets me. How are you going to stop that? I don't care what profession yeah. it is. It doesn't have to be professional basketball players. It can be anybody. You put a bunch of people with the same profession together in any type of environment, whether they're meeting up in Las Vegas over the summer, whether they're meeting up in Los Angeles, whether they're part of Team USA, guess what they're going to talk about? Their jobs. That's what's going to yep. get discussed, and they're going to be talking about possibilities. Hell, Keith, you and I, we were at Summer League. We run into a ton of different media who cover the NBA, and what do we all talk about? We talk basketball. We talk, hey, how are things going? Yep. How are things going at Lakers Nation? How are things going at Real GM? How are things going at The Athletic or, or wherever, right? How are things going yep. at ESPN? All these different places. That's natural. That's human nature. How do you stop yep. that? I just I don't see a way the NBA can really put a stop to it, even if – they are, you know, expressing these things. Sure, they want to put it out there and, and make it known, hey, we are going to do something about it. But in reality, I don't think there's anything they can do. No, it, it, it just, for me, it comes back to the 
it, it's it's only really a problem when for me when it's the guys who are under contract for multiple years left under contract and it becomes an open thing of I'm only going to X team Anthony Davis for example this summer or even Paul George uh, later in the summer those kind of things where it's like I, that's where I'm gonna go and you know make it happen and figure it out well you know if you give me a trademark and a one how like that's not i'm never gonna get it's gonna package now maybe you can refute that because both the pelicans and clippers or pelicans and thunder did quite well in those trades Uh, maybe even better than some some thought they would but but that was also because you had in the davis case you had a couple other teams that were great hey we'll still we'll we'll still go all in and see if we can make it work but but that's the only time it's a real problem for me when a guy is months away from being a free agent he's playing out the string generally on a lot of times a very bad team i don't i don't really care then it's just it's one of those things i don't like when you get team x starts complaining about team y doing it when they both know they they both do it right like don't like well what are we doing like just you know let this be it's it's just the only time it's an issue for me it's when these guys are got years left on their contract so so you know but in the end yeah we'll see i i just i have my doubts this this team gets all we're gonna do all this stuff and put it on paper and we're gonna and, and i think what it becomes is you'll have adam silver and team waving it in front of the face of somebody like be careful like right, this yeah. is trending into into here and then that's what it'll turn into our, we're not going to do it because the fines are pretty hefty and and i want to say one of the things i've read is there's a potential for draft pick punishment and right. those kind of things so you know if, if we go down that route yeah teams are going to be more cautious but in the end i don't think I, I really don't think much will really change right? yeah because it all gets down to how yeah how do you enforce it like pe- people talk about their jobs and their livelihood there's not a whole heck of a lot you can do to stop that it's it's what happens and you know we had heard you know from the lakers side of things we had heard with the paul george thing that okay you know at worst maybe the nba forbids the lakers from signing paul george in yep. that situation, or they they take away a draft pick or something like that. Obviously, it didn't come to that, but perhaps now with this memo being out there and the NBA telling teams that they're going to be more strict about it, maybe they would go down that road, and then that that could, I guess, change things. But for the most part, I think it's going to be pretty difficult to to enforce. And I don't like I don't necessarily have a problem with a player telling a team, hey, telling their own incumbent team, hey, I'm not going to be coming back. Because I think that allows the, that team to recoup assets. And I, this could be my own bias here, right? Because the Lakers did get Anthony sure. Davis through this, this situation. So I'm well aware of that. I'm trying to look at this from the outside perspective. But uh, but a player going to a team and saying, hey, look, you know, my contract's up in a year and a half or, or whatever it is, and I'm planning on leaving, that just gives the team an opportunity to do something about it. Uh, you know, if a, if a free agent surprisingly leaves – that leaves the team with nothing and it gives them, it yeah. puts them in a tough spot. So I, I'm not necessarily against players going to teams. I think the issue, and I think that the NBA probably isn't against it either, just telling them in advance, Hey, I'm not going to stick around. It's when it goes public. That's when you get, yeah. you know, the, that's when you get the entire circus and everything else. And you and I have a million things to write about when that happens. But in sure. general, for the NBA, it's a mess because then every single interview that both teams are doing, in addition to other teams around the league, they're being asked, what do you think about this situation? It's a nonstop story. It detracts from yeah. the play on the floor. And I think that's where they're going to have a problem. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny because this is two guys basically saying like, yeah, whatever, because we both cover <laughs> two big market teams on right. the other side of this, right? Let's if we bring in a in a Pelicans guy or a Thunder guy, they might feel quite differently. Okay. About, I would imagine you know, they probably this, would. Right? Yeah, they, they, maybe they have a little bit of a perspective, but they can do that on their their own show. They're they're not here, so that's right. Uh, basically, the main takeaway that I heard is Trevor believes free agency should be ended. Players should be tied to a free franchise forever and they should barely be paid for what what they're there for that's that that's, that's my takeaway that's he's, it. he's that's right it in exactly. the tim tebow camp of these guys get enough already why do they need more so t- trevor tim tebow lane is my co-host <laughs> today so no it's uh yeah no it's it's one of those things just real quick before we get into real basketball on the floor yeah. uh you, you you're getting a lot of my ear here because i'm looking at tweet deck on my other screen because woge is uh is doing a tweet tweet storm Uh-oh. because just something to mention the um the nba agents through the mbpa are basically telling the ncaa hey your whole register as agents with you yeah we're not doing it it's not Ooh. happening. So that's going to be kind of interesting to follow uh, here where, where we go. They um they they're basically just saying it's not it's not happening. They're they're willing to do certain things, but they're just not going to go the full way. So so yeah, we're not not something we need to really spend any time no. on. Just saying. I was I saw the notification. I have my phone off to to my to my left hand side, and I see the Woj notifications as every basketball fan does and then i was like wait what are they so that's so the tweet decks on my right so i started looking but yeah you want to talk some basketball on the floor yeah sure let's uh let's do that and let's start off with the chicago bulls we're going to dive into their into their off season talk a little bit about what the you know what's coming ahead for a bulls team that was really really bad last year but um maybe they can be a little bit better this season Uh, keith what what did their off season look like yeah, so some it's funny, not massive changes in terms of numbers. Like some of the teams we saw around the league completely, you know, changed, you know, 10, 11, 12 spots in their roster. They didn't do do that, but I think all of their moves in my my opinion, solid upgrades for them that made a lot of sense. So so their two big signings, Tomas Sadoransky and Thaddeus Young, a couple in, interconference guys that they took from the Wizards and from the Pacers uh in general there. So those two two good additions uh, they are Sadoransky coming off a really strong summer for the Czech Republic in the, the Basketball World Cup. That's as far as I want to talk about the Basketball World Cup because I'm still mad um, because I'm um, USA all the way. So I don't think <laughs> like that. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's going to really be big for them. I think there's a chance by by the time all is said and done, he's their starting point guard. Uh, for the bulk of the year, yeah. I think, think that's how that'll go. I think he's going to be the good kind of mentor for a year or two for Kobe White. And they got him on a great contract. It's a contract that's very um, workable for the Bulls. It is uh, – sorry, I should have had it pulled up already. That's what I thought. Three three years, $30 million, $10 million flat per season. But that last year is only half guaranteed at $5 million. So if he ages out or isn't working so good, or let's say Kobe White is just dominant, yeah. um, they're, they're in really good position there. Thad Young, similar type deal. More money, 12.9 this year, 13.5, topping out at 14.2 in that final year. But that final year, again, only $6 million guaranteed. So you know, really, really good, solid contracts. Two good veterans that I think are going to help this team quite a bit and well we'll talk a little bit more about them and uh, let me get through the rest of the moves yeah. here luke Cornette, 
um, big man coming in. I, I like that fit because I think he um, you can run a lot of the same stuff with him that you run with Laurie Markkinen uh, today. So I think that's a good fit. And then Kobe White, I talked about a little bit, their number one draft pick. Brought him in, Daniel Gafford, second round pick. They made a good financial commitment to him, which to me says they see him as being a, a long-term part of this roster. Then they added Adam Mokoka on a two-way. And then just recently in the last couple of days, Justin Simon is there. They're bringing in their camp signing. Chicago tends to be one of the later teams to bring in their camp guys, and they're they're just starting that process. On the other side of the ledger, the guys they lost, the really only big loss for them, Robin Lopez. Uh, but Robin Lopez had really transitioned to a backup role with the Bulls, and he started quite a bit of last year because of injuries. But this year, he he or had he returned, he would have been a backup behind Wendell Carter Jr. and Larry Markinen. So, yeah, that's not a super huge loss for them. And then guy, the rest of these guys, they're they're all you know role player guys who they've got other options that they can play in the in those roles. So Timothy Lawawu Cabarro, Walt Lemon Jr., Antonio Blakeney, Wayne Selden, and then both their two way guys from last year, Raleigh Alkins and Brandon Sampson, are gone. So overall. Uh, for for names that really matter, Sadoransky, Young, Cornette, White, and maybe Gafford on that that side all in, and the only name of real consequence, Robin Lopez. So I, I you know I think that's a pr- pretty good pretty good work there, and bringing in guys that also fit quite well, I believe, with in their young core and what they have to do. Yeah, I agree. I think that they that they targeted some really nice guys here. They weren't swinging for the fences. They weren't going out after some star player that they were going to throw a ton of money at or anything like that because that's not where they are. I think the Bulls did a really nice job of staying within themselves and knowing where their team is realistically at. They're a building team, and they didn't yep. want to go and throw a bunch of money at a guy who is is not going to have a team around him that's necessarily ready to win now, and then you're creating problems. They've got a lot of nice young pieces that they can build from here. Um, losing Rob, Robin Lopez, maybe that hurts, but let me say this. Losing Robin Lopez for him to go play with his brother with the Milwaukee Bucks and have the Lopez twins together, we all win. <laughs> We, we all win, all yep, win yep. because of that. So um, yeah. thank you to the Bulls for, for, for letting Robin Lopez just go right. and jump to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, it, the seventh pick in the draft, Kobe White, I like that a lot. In fact, Kobe White being there at that point is why it's part of the reason we talked about this plenty, ripping on the Suns, is why I didn't understand what the Suns did in the draft, trading back yeah. when they so badly needed a point guard and he was sitting right there waiting for them. Uh, Seemed Kobe, like a great fit with what they had, but but we don't need to rehash. Right. Suns yeah. And, hatred again. I, yeah. The one thing that I've got down here in my notes is pace. You look at Kobe White. This is a guy who can really get up and down the floor. And the Bulls sure. were one of the slowest paced teams in the league last season. So that makes me wonder. I, I wasn't impressed that uh, with the Bulls tactics very much last season. But I wonder if they're going to pick up the pace a little bit. Even if it's not intentionally, if having a guy like Kobe White out there is going to force them to sort of play at a quicker pace. Because I think that's going to be going to be something big for them. We see these young teams that don't have great half-court offenses. They aren't super efficient, and they try to mitigate that by getting more easy looks by by pushing the pace. So I wonder if we are going to see a Bulls team. I'm not saying they're going to be like top five in pace or anything like that, but maybe hit somewhere around middle of the pack in pace next season. I think that would be a nice a nice move for them. Yeah, I think that, that, that's a good point. I think there is a chance that is what happens because I think what Jim Boylan did when he took over last year for Fred Hoiberg, I think it was almost a return to, I got to get these guys back on fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're just a messy, sloppy team. And I think, and I think part of that became, we're going to play at a slower pace. We're going to play with a lot of things called in from the sideline because these are the things we want to run. And I think that, that maybe I, I, I don't, I don't, 
I put this. Jim Boylan's not a fantastic coach <laughs> by any means. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to go down that road. Um, but I don't think he's nearly as bad as what he was made out to be either. I think some of the things like these three-hour practices and mm-hmm. practicing uh, in the day after a night game and so that's just silly stuff that doesn't. People don't do no. that in the NBA. But I think some of his on the floor thing where people are like, we well, he, he wanted to run a post up offense and people don't do that anymore. Well, I think part of that was to get guys into, we need to do these things. And once you prove you can do these things, then I'm going to give you a little more free reign, a little more free reign. And we saw that towards the end of the year under Boylan. So I think, I think that's where. I think these guys, if they earn it, he's going to let them uh, play. One other thing, too, I want to be clear on is um, let's talk about Otto Porter Jr. for a minute because he was, in a sense, their big acquisition. They just did it at the trade deadline versus um, over the summer. They they had that big Jabari Parker team option sitting out there that we kind of knew. You know, I think a lot of us knew as soon as it was signed they were going to decline it. But I think, you know, as we were a month into the season, we're like, yeah, this doesn't work. And they they made that big swing to go get Porter Jr. And I think that was pretty huge for them to bring him in because now you're sitting there with a guy who, you know, is kind of he was kind of your big offseason acquisition. You just did it a couple months earlier in that respect. And I think. You know, will this kind of lead us into our starting five, you know, rotation com- conversation? But I think you're going to see Carter, Markin, and Porter as your front line with Levine in the backcourt. And then it becomes that point guard uh, conversation. I'm under the belief they're going to give Chris Dunn one more chance to try and win this job. That's what I was going to ask you camp. about. What happens with yeah, Chris Dunn I think, now? I mean, crazy. Yeah. And I, th- I think Sadoransky's role coming in will be to be that third guard. Um, play, you know, probably half the game anyway, but I, you know, we'll see if Dunn can do it or not. And then I think the idea is bring Kobe White along slowly, young point guards. They they take a while. And so I think the idea would be to bring him in slowly, but if Dunn doesn't have it, then I expect it to be Sadoransky who starts. And then I think if Dunn, this, uh, this is a really weird way to put this, but I think if Dunn's not this clear starter, I think he's going to be completely gone out and done and he'll be traded and moved on. So Dunn is done. Done is done. done. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish I meant it. <laughs> so, so looking at, at the the situation, well, who they've they've brought in, and I do want to mention the the flexibility that they've now got with Sadoransky. He's six seven. This is a guy who can play the point guard, but he can also play two. And so you got to yeah. like that. And so they did the same thing with that young. They found guys that are versatile yeah. enough. You can run that young as your four. You could possibly still run him as a three. You could even slide him down and play some small ball and run him as a five. So by targeting these guys that have this kind of versatility, you now give yourself flexibility. So say Dunn shows up and proves that he's not done. Well, then you can still use Sadoransky. It's not like, oh, wait, yeah. we just wasted this signing because now our one of our young guys is really, really good. No, you can still use yeah. Sadoransky. You can run three guards and uh, and and get uh, Kobe White mixed in there as well with Zach Levine and, and still have a place for him. And, and again, same thing with that young. Uh, provides a little bit of insurance too for Wendell Carter, who was, uh, I thought, pretty good. We've seen some great things from him, but he's dealt with injuries. Uh, Lowry yep. Markinen is still is still you know developing, and he's going to be a very very good player for them. I'm intrigued by what uh, so they've, dealt they've with got some here. injuries too. Yes, uh, with Markinen. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, I think that's where Young's really important. It, w- it wouldn't surprise me, you know, to see him end up starting you know 40, 50 games for this team as right. guys miss keep miss time and, and the like. And I and I think that's 
this is really important because as good as Lopez is, Lopez isn't an overly versatile guy. You you know, he's he's a center. He's really a you know, more of a pure, true five than than anything else. And I think Young gives them that ability. He can play alongside either Markinen or Carter just fine. And then if, if one of them goes down, you you shouldn't miss as much as they did last year. When they lost those two guys, that's really when the whole season fell apart because now now you you were going to Lopez and then nothing else, right? And that's where it really became messy. So I, I think that, and then I think Cornet I think will help in that respect too, just as another big who with range. I I you that's can it. you know slide him in and and, and do some of the like I said do some of the same stuff you do with Markinen. So yeah, overall I think the depth on this team is far better than it has been in the last couple of seasons, and and it's. It's not only better players, but it's depth that makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not it's not duplicative. It's it's versatile. It's good depth. It's saw solid guys. And then if you know if a guy like Chandler Hutchison, who I know just got hurt, so he's gonna again be dealing with some injuries. And then Denzel Valentine, if one of those two guys can pop and give you some minutes along the wing, all right, you you might really have you know something going here in Chicago. And you know that that'd be great to see. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we look at these young teams and we think, oh, all they need to do is just accumulate assets and draft picks and young players and throw as many of them together as you can. And eventually some of them will develop into something and you're going to have stars and then you can win. I don't think targeting veterans like that young and like Sadoransky is necessarily a bad thing. It's not going against the grain or anything like that, especially with the contracts that they've given them. And the you've got the uh, the partial guarantees in those final years built in. I think that you need guys who can lead the young players and show them what it takes in order to win at the NBA level. And I think Sadoransky can do that. And Thad Young, probably most of all, can do that for these young guys. So um, there's there's an off-the-court element to this as well as the the on-the-court of uh, impact of what these two guys bring. Um, Other than that... I I think, too, uh, along those lines, too, it's really important. We've talked to this with with some of these younger teams. It's important when you've been a younger team and a bad team for a while that you do eventually bring some guys in to put you in more competitive environments beyond just through, say, maybe Christmas or the first of the year. You, I think the Bulls, whether they're good or bad, we can get into that. They should be a more competitive team for the balance of the season this year than they have been for a number of years. And I think that's going to be really important. I, th- I think you want to put those guys where they're playing meaningful games in March and early April. You know, Chicago, you know, maybe I'm, I'm burying the lead a little bit here. I'm jumping ahead. But I think if everything breaks right, it would not surprise me at all if this was a playoff team at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. I don't think they will be, but I think that they could be. I think, think that they, they could very easily be in the mix if, you know, better health and improvement from some of their young players, I think that they, they could be in there. So I don't know if you want to go to that and yeah, start let's talking do it. about their. All right. So last year, 22 wins. Again, another team, we, we've mentioned this on previous shows, like with the Knicks and a couple of the Cavs. Team, they, they weren't trying to win down the stretch. Right. They, you know, they just had a lot of guys. They, they didn't push guys back who maybe, you know, could have come back and played again because it was not in their best interest to do so. So that's probably artificially lower than what it really should have been. They're probably more like a 25 to 28 win team. This year's over under, as of this afternoon, what I looked up, 33.5. Mm. So, not crazy, not, not a massive jump over no. what they probably really were last year, and it's probably in the range. I, I'll start, I, I'm going to say slightly over. I think this is probably a 36, 37 win team maybe, and then if everything breaks right, I think they get into you know 500, maybe 42, 43 wins. So I'm comfortable going a little bit over. 
with these guys? Um, I am. Gosh, this is a tough one because they're in the Eastern <laughs> Conference, so that's that's factoring into my my thinking here. With them being in the East, if they were in the West, I would definitely go under. Um, I'm gonna go. I'll go slightly under. I'll say that uh, I, I just think that they've got they've got a lot of nice pieces, but I don't know about the coaching side of things. Is are they really going to be able to put together a formula on the floor in terms of pace, in terms of the the offense, getting the defense to buy in? Are they going to be able to do that? I uh, have some concerns there. They do still have a lot of really young players that still have a lot of growing to do. I think they're the type of team that can catch you on any random Wednesday night and, and can beat a good team, but I just don't know if the consistency is going to be there. So I'm torn. It's a really tough one, but I'm going to go slightly under. All right. Well, hey, man, boy, that's good because we're not usually we're usually, we're too, usually in, on the same page. too much in lockstep. <laughs> yeah, I know. So that's that's good. Uh, one thing I didn't mention, they do have about two point five million of their room exception left. Okay. So if they wanted to go out and uh, add add some talent, they, they do have a little bit of money to do that there. And there are some rumors. Some people believe Chris Dunn is will, will not even make it to uh, training camp with these guys. It's starting to get a little tight if that's not going to happen because right. you're about we're about two weeks out uh, recording this on Saturday. Saturday the 14th and it's where we're about two weeks or so away from most teams opening up training camp so we'll see if that happens or not but all right Trevor we always end it with thumbs up or thumbs down on their offseason I'm giving them a firm thumbs up I, I like the moves I think think the guys they added were really good and I think the money that they gave them was more than fair I think all these 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 additions make sense even all the way down to Cornette you only got 2.25 million for each of the next two seasons I think that's perfectly fine you you know, for what he is and and they've they've you know didn't really take away you know a ton of their flexibility going forward they've yeah they've got porter and levine but those are the only two really big contracts that they have so i think you know this team is uh positioned to continue to make a little bit of noise so i'm gonna give them a thumbs up yeah i'm gonna go back to to, to, to agreeing with you here keith I, i'm gonna say thumbs up <laughs> even though i picked the the under i think they made the right moves this offseason i think that yeah. uh that they they did things smartly they Look, they didn't do anything stupid, and we've seen teams that, that do dumb things, and it comes back to haunt them, and everybody knows that it's a dumb move when they do it, and it just it happens anyway. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot here. They made some smart moves. They've made some versatile signings. Uh, no issues with where they're at right now. I think this will be a team in a few years, and they are and they're well aware of who they are and where they're at. And so credit to them for that. So again, thumbs up for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, you get into this year is all about be better, be competitive for the playoffs, and I think mm-hmm. next year is when you're be you need to be a playoff team, or or close, or you need to really think about your the pieces you're building around and decide is this it? Like like do do these guys all work together, or, do, or is it time to start moving? Absolutely. All right, before we jump to our next team, uh, the Utah Jazz, let's talk real quick about BetOnline.ag football. Are you ready? Get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, betonline.ag. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus reward on your first deposit and start betting on your favorite pro or college team. Bet on every spread, every total, every winner or loser. Bet on who the first starting quarterback to be benched will be. Bet on who's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Sam Darnold. Do I win? (laughs) Sam Darnold. (laughs) Mono. (laughs) Sorry, I I just threw you off in the middle of the ad read. The middle of the ad read, Keith, you're firing (laughs) Sam Darnold at me. No, I'm going to – 
I'm going to finish the ad read, and then I'm going to throw something back at you here. Get the fastest odds, updates, and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join today and use promo code CLNS50 and get your 50% welcome bonus. See BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions, and a minimum deposit of $55 is required to qualify for the bonus. All right, if I was taking this bet, and I'm not giving anybody betting advice here or anything like that, but... I would bet on Ryan Fitzpatrick because I think that your Patriots, Keith, are going to go and do terrible things to the Miami Dolphins and that he is going to wind up getting benched. So I think he's going to be the first starter. Josh Rosen's going to take over in Miami. I don't, I can't count. The, the guy got mono. <laughs> no, yeah. I can't count him. And I'm sure you can't put that in now. Hey, yeah, I think you're probably right. I, 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 I put it out in the middle of last week's games. I was like, why is. Josh Rosen not just starting. Like, what are we doing here? Here's the thing as a Patriots fan. Bad, bad stuff happens in Miami to them all That's, the time. That is true. Now, I will say if bad things happen tomorrow uh, in Miami, I, it's you might you guys might not see me for a while because I don't I'm going to go into a deep, deep depression. Uh, but, yeah, I yeah, I think there's a good chance that uh, that's the bet I would make as well. And like we said, we're not giving betting advice, but, yeah, go that that's where I would put yeah. my money if I was direction yeah but hey now everybody knows we do these ad ad reads live we're not you know this is real life you, this yeah, wasn't an insert <laughs> you actually read it because i interrupted you um all right yeah utah jazz let's talk um, about them Wow, talk about a team, you know, people around the league, I think, are super high on. I I go back to Summer League. I I more jazz conversations at Summer League than I think I've ever had. Um, I'm sure you were probably in the same boat. Absolutely. Right? So, and I don't I don't even think we're high enough on the Utah. Like if people are talking about the Utah Jazz, I'm looking at their roster and looking at the moves they made. I went over everything this morning for the show and I'm still I'm in disbelief. I look at this team and I go, Man, this this team could wind up being way better than even anybody's anticipating right now. I have a couple concerns and we'll get into them as we go. But yeah, in general, I think they're, I still think they're going to be really good. So yeah, added and lost. Mike Conley, um, added in the big trade. Um, let, let's, I want to talk about that just for a brief second because that was close at the trade deadline for mm-hmm. Conley to go to, to Utah. It also got close for Conley to go to the Detroit Pistons as well. Here's the problem though. At the trade deadline, to move $30 million is hard. You have to really gut your roster. And we saw Utah had to give up Jay Crowder, uh, Grayson Allen, uh, Dave Picks, and all sorts of other stuff to make that salary match, as well as just have room to, to, to bring in the rest for Connolly. That's why you don't see those trades for guys who make $30 million at the trade deadline. Right. But what it does do is this is a perfect example of they got close and then said, you know what? It's just going to be too hard. We can't make it work now. Let's talk again in July. They talk again in July, and here we are. It's done um, with, with that. So it's always one of those things where if you hear it got close at the deadline, and then you hear that guy still on the market, I always encourage people, where where, where do you think? My first thought is, who were they close with before? Because you just pick it up from where you left off. Right. Uh, if you go, always easier in the offseason. So so Conley coming in by a trade. Boyan Bogdanovich, um, one of the, I think, really underrated free agent signings. This guy was really, really good for the Pacers uh, the last couple of seasons. Then then they just did a good job with their couple of uh, vets off the bench. Ed Davis, I think he's going to be fantastic yep. for them behind Rudy Gobert. Easily the best they've had behind Gobert in the last couple of years. I, I don't 
really count Derek Favors in that role. I know he was more or less the backup center, but he also started a good deal. And then Jeff Green. I think Jeff Green will help them as well. Um, you know, Jazz fans, you're now the latest members of the Jeff Green club where you you will go from thinking this guy's amazing and how did nobody sign him to the next, you know, two weeks he will do absolutely nothing and you'll be like, what is going on here? This guy stinks. So that's the Jeff Green experience. Then Emmanuel Moutier. Perfect third guard, our third point guard. I think behind Connolly and Exum, I think uh, it'll do wonders for him playing in a um, system under Quinn Snyder, which is a little more rigid and strict, and ask them to do things and not freelance. I think it's going to help them. And then they just added a whole ton of young guys that they're bringing in. Mie Oni, um, who is uh, one of their second round draft picks. Uh, uh, Nigel Williams Goss, who was a second round pick a couple years back, is now coming in. And then Trevon Blewett, William Howard, Stanton Kidd, Juwan Morgan. Um, those are all guys that are, one of them is probably going to make the team, most likely. And this is a team, if, if a guy who's unexpected out of training camp makes the team in Utah, it should should catch your interest because generally that means that guys get some sort of role like a Royce right. O'Neal uh, the last couple of years. And then they're two two-way guys, Jarrell Brantley and Justin Wright Foreman. Um, they're going to be their two-way guys. And this is a team that, again, has done good things with their two-way players, uh, George Niang, um, being, being somebody who was a once upon a time a two-way player, not necessarily for the Jazz, but just a guy that, that was developed. Yeah. Yeah. On- Oh, sorry. I was just going to go to the guys they lost. No, yeah, um, go go for that, and then I'll hit you with something here. Yeah, yeah. So guys they lost because it was a it was a it's a pretty long list, and it's a lot of contributors. Uh, Grayson Allen that didn't really start off with a contributor there, but right. Jay Crowder, Derek Favors, Kyle Corver, who if you remember they added late last year, Raul Neto, Ricky Rubio, uh, Tabo Cephalosha, Ekpe Udo, and then both of their two-way players, Tyler Cavanaugh and Nas Mitru Long. So a lot of guys there. So the Jazz is much change, I think, at the top um, in, throughout their rotation as any other team in the NBA. Yeah, they're going to have some growing pains, that's for sure. They're going to be a team that I don't think really fits or really hits the ground running. I think they're going to take a little bit of time to get things together because they've got so many new players coming in. But when you look at this at this squad, you look at what they've put together, it's really impressive. And especially Coach Quinn Snyder has done a, a tremendous job with them. Um, the Ed Davis thing. Man, when that went down and I saw, okay, they're, they're replacing Derek Favors with Ed Davis, I went, that's perfect. That was a, a great fit as a backup center. I think Ed Davis is underrated. He became a fan favorite in LA with Lakers fans in one season there. He's a guy who can block a lot of shots, finishes efficiently at the rim. In fact, he's so efficient as of a finisher that he, he was in the 84th percentile on the offensive end uh, per synergy. And that's not, it's not to say he's some offensive dynamo or anything like that. He just stays within himself. He knows exactly yep. what he needs to do and how he can get his points in there off of dunks and, and little lefty hook shots right at the basket. Uh, he's just a smart, very capable player. And I thought that was a great target. Fantastic uh, offensive rebounder. Too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. One of the better offensivers in the league. Yep. Yep. And so you, you've got a piece like that. Yep. You add in a Jeff Green. They found players that I think just complement their starters very, very well. And so I was I was impressed with what they did there. Yes, losing guys like Jay Crowder hurts a little bit. Losing Kyle Korver hurts a little bit. But I'm also interested to see what Mike Conley can bring to this team. This is a guy who can be that steadying presence that maybe they've lacked in the past. And then beyond that, it's almost like people have kind of forgotten that, hey, Donovan Mitchell is really, really, really good at basketball. Yeah. He wasn't. He was a little bit inefficient last season, maybe didn't make that leap that we were expecting. 
But if you look at what he did with Team USA, he was the guy that they turned to more often than not yeah. when they needed to get a bucket. It was the Donovan Mitchell show. And obviously things didn't work out well there or anything. But this guy has some real talent. And so I wouldn't bet against him making another leap here heading into the, his third season. And if he does that, that's when this this Jazz team could really, really take off. Yeah, it's a popular question is, will Donovan Mitchell be an all-star this year? Yeah. And the, my answer is I think he could be. I think just the challenge is breaking into that guard line in the West is really hard. It's so deep. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Clay Thompson is not going to be in the mix this year, but you have Curry, Harden, Lillard, McCollum, guys I'm forgetting, but just Alex you know, Caruso. Just, you know, yeah, Alex Caruso, <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, yeah, Alex Caruso, who is not going to play. Captain ever. America. Um, they, uh, it's um, yeah, that's that's the hard thing is I think he could be worthy if it was the best twenty four players picked for the All Star mm-hmm. team. Yeah, maybe, but in the West, I I don't know. We'll see. I here here's the thing too, and I'm glad you mentioned like like there was times where Mitchell was inefficient. I think what's important with Donovan Mitchell is he became the guy. So. So well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie a couple couple through lines together. With what you said is I do think they could start off a little slow. The Jazz have a history of starting off a little slow. Part of that is they generally have had a pretty tough schedule coming out of the gate and a lot of um, road games early for whatever reason that is. The other thing is they run some of the best stuff in the league mm-hmm. um, system wise offensively, yeah. but because of that, that takes a little while to get that thing humming and get it going. So I think, think that's where it comes from. Now on the flip side is because they rely so heavily on the stuff when they get into the playoffs, one of the things that I think has hurt them in the past is teams because, because you can't game plan for an opponent in the regular season right. too much. In the playoffs you can. And I think what, what we see is teams, we know we're going to see this, these great sets, and we're going to see them, you know, four, five, six, seven games in a row. So they game plan for it. They muck it up. They shut it all down. And then that turns into Mitchell being the only guy recently in late clock situations for the Jazz who can make something out of nothing. And a lot of times the best players' shooting percentage is never as good as it should be because they're the ones taking those bailout shots with two seconds left on the right. shot clock from 30 feet away. So I think that's where Mitchell fell into. This is where I think Conley helps them more than in any other way. Mike Conley now gives you that second guy who can create. When the offense breaks down, when a team shuts down those great sets – Conley can make something out of nothing. It doesn't all have to fall to Mitchell. So I think what we're going to see with Mitchell is his efficiency go up, his shooting percentages go up, his overall play go up. I think his assist numbers will rise. I think we're going to see a kind of a statistical leap from him. I don't know if he's going to be all that much of a different player. I just think he's going to have to, by doing, by having to do that, or yeah, by having to not do as much and being able to do less, everything is going to come out more for Donovan Mitchell. And I think that's that's and we underrate how hard it has been that for two years in a row, this kid came in and was here, go make everything happen for right. us offensively, and that's that's bananas. Like we don't do that to rookies anymore. That's that used to be used to be a thing. It's not really a thing anymore. So I think that's where Conley will really help him. Bogdanovich is an underrated creator of offense, yeah. guy who can go get his own shot uh, regularly, and you know. And then you've got you know obviously you still have Ingles and Gobert who are you know good smart players, the veterans that they added. I, I yeah, I think this team's just gonna be really really good. I think by the end of the season we will look at it and say, man, that Jazz offense is tough now i mentioned i have a couple concerns so i want to get into one of those yeah, right now that. i'm a little bit worried about them uh, size wise 
I think Gobert and Davis are both fine. Mm-hmm. I think I'm not. I, I I know nobody plays you know two you know traditional bigs anymore. Very few teams do that, and if the teams the Jazz would have to worry about with that are they're going to see them later. But I do worry about Bogdanovich and Ingles as your two starting forwards. Okay. I just I, I worry you know Bogdanovich can hold his own there. He does better than than we think, but I think. You know, we're maybe under in the excitement of everything else. We're maybe underrating that Favors loss a little bit because I think Favors was such a good quality defender, secondary rebounder, and those kind of things. And I worry they they might be putting a bit. Self and all the rebounding without Favors in the mix, and I'm a little bit worried about that. Okay, that, I think that's fair. Yeah, looking at their, you know, their depth chart here, you've got, I, well, I mean, just to get into our, our starting five here, I've got, I've got Conley, sure. Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Ingles, and Gobert. So Ingles is is nominally your your starting power forward. He's not exactly what you would typically envision when you've got a, a power forward out there. But I think what they're going to try to do is try to run a, run opposing bigs off the floor. Um, which yep. Ingles can do. I mean, he's able to hit hit the three. Certainly, uh, his passing is so crafty. He's such a smart player. I think he's going to be able to to do that at times. But there's going to be other occasions where, like when uh, when they play, say the Lakers, right? And Anthony Davis is lining up at power forward. How is Joe Ingles going to deal with that? And Davis has probably the quickness to at least affect his shot on the perimeter. There's going to be some challenges challenges there, certainly. And you're right, they they don't really have another big time rebounder to turn to. You're looking at a, a backup power forward or probably Jeff Green. Um, but I guess I'll counter with this. The type of player that you're looking for is out there. That guy's available if you really need sure. somebody to if you need to go find yeah. somebody. That guy, I mean you can you can call up Kenneth Fareed. He's not busy doing anything right now. And he could come slot in as a as extra help rebounding. You can find a little bit of size there. Um that type of player is is readily available, but they just but you're right. They don't have that right now on their roster. Yeah, or in season you call the Knicks and trade for one of their thirty-five powerful awards <laughs> and, and move on. <laughs> you know, and, That's and, true. And, and, you know, while, while you were talking about that, I was doing a quick scan of the other Western Conference teams, and this is part of why you can get away with playing this kind of smaller mm-hmm. lineup. Is it's really it's Denver with Jokic and Millsap. All right, they're bay. That's two two good traditional bigs. Right. Uh, you mentioned Davis for the Lakers. Um, you know, Draymond Dr- Green doesn't really go to the offensive glass like he used to. Mm-hmm. So then you're you're really looking at the Clippers maybe. They're, you know, Jamichael Green, Montrez Harrell, Avica Zubac. That's, you know, a couple traditional bigs. And then the Kings with Deadman and Bagley. All right, well, then maybe you're fine. You know, for those yeah. couple of games, you figure it out and you scheme around it. And, and I always go back to what a coach, you know, told me when I asked about all the small ball stuff. If I'm worried, he said, well, you got to remember, they have to defend us too. And, you know, let, let's use the Lakers, for example. Do you really want Anthony Davis chasing Bogdanovich or Ingles out around the three-point line all right. game long? You know, I know he says he wants to be a four, so he's got to do it if that's what he wants to do. But you know, so so I think I I, I think it's what I think is going to happen with the Jazz. This has been kind of my overall belief. I think the defense slips a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think the offense improves enough that it more than offsets anything that they lose defensively. Yeah, that's a that's a great take there. I, I agree 100%. I think that the Utah Jazz, their offensive potential is through the roof. This could be an, okay. an incredibly, not just a, an incredibly efficient team, but just a smart team, the way they can run this offense. If things go according to plan here, and again, it's going to take some time because they're integrating new pieces, but if things go according to plan, this could be 
one of my most fun teams to watch just as somebody who enjoys watching good offensive basketball and teams who can really play together as a unit. And they were last season too. The Jazz were that that league pass team that I would flip to and just be be wowed by some of the stuff they were pulling off and their sets and the complexity of it and all of that. I think this could be the same thing this year, but to an even greater degree because of these pieces that they've added. Yeah, and to kind of that point, so that's why I looked away because I was looking it up. They were last year, they were second in defensive rating and they were 15th in offensive rating. Let's say that second drops to maybe seventh, eighth, ninth. Mm -hmm. I think the offensive rating could easily climb up to fifth maybe yeah I, I think they could be that high and that's why i think you know i think they're, they're just going to look a little bit differently and they'll get it done you know a little bit differently in there you know and that's why i think it was important to get ed davis because yep. i think gobert is going to be asked to do so much this year i do worry a little bit about him uh holding not holding up from a injury standpoint but just foul trouble and the like and things like that because i think teams will that's what they're going to do. They're going to try to try to go at him regularly. And then Davis behind him, though, that's more than a, a solid option. So so kind of leading into it here, we got into it. 50 wins last year. Yeah. The over-under, we're, we're excited about him. So is the over-under, 54.5. Um, now, that is – it doesn't sound like much, right? When, when we just talked about the Bulls, 30, 22 to 33 – it's always harder to go from 30 or you go from 30 wins to 45 wins. Teams do that to go from 50 to 55 to 60. If you're betting the over there, you got to feel comfortable that this team's going to be in the upper 50s, right? And maybe pushing 60 wins. I'm here's, here's right. People get so tired of me saying this. Vegas is really good. Oh, they yeah. Are. But let's get, go before you even say it, let's give context here. Second in the West last year was 54 wins. Exactly. The Nuggets yeah. first was 57 yep. wins. So you're talking about the Utah Jazz contending for if you're picking the over, yep. you're talking about they could be number one in the West. In the West or not, it's not going to be any weaker no. as a, a conference than it was last year. Hold on. I'm going to pull up. Can I, I can sort this. So give me one second. I just want to look at it. Um, yeah, the highest over under wins overall in the West. It's the Rockets, Jazz, and Clippers right now at fifty four point five. All, all three are that's the highest highest on the board. So, so yeah. So you're basically if you're Vegas, you're saying the the one of those three teams probably is hmm. fifty seven, fifty eight wins. I'm gonna go fifty five. So pick the over, but it's a super cautious just 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 pick the over. But I think it might be this might be a team that is. 10 and 10, 12 and 12, and then rips off just a crazy record the rest of the way that's like, holy cow, like they get going. So I'm going to go just over at 55. Okay. Well, we're going to, we're going to set a, a landmark here because I'm going to disagree with you once, <laughs> once again. I'm going to go slightly under just because of what I was saying before that I think it's going to take them a little bit of time to integrate some of these new pieces and that'll give some, uh, some speed bumps in the early going. I think they're going to be really good from there on out, but going to take time for them to get their feet under them. And I, I'm not ready to say that this team is as good as, say, the Houston Rockets or as good as the Denver Nuggets and they're right up there or, or the Clippers. I would put those three teams ahead of them right now. I'd put the Jazz and the Lakers kind of in similar standing until until they prove that they can hit that next level uh, and be number one. I'm not ready to say that they are, so I'm going to go a little bit on the underside on that. Yeah, and that's I, I think that's perfectly fair. I think, think if you told me today – um, one of the Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, Jazz, or Rockets wins the West. I'm going to say, yep, 
Yeah. Like they, and that's just how close those five are are for me. I think, you know, they're all right around the same same teams. I'm and I'm trying not to slight the Warriors, Spurs, Blazers, you know, any of those other teams, but Don't I just I think those Warriors, five man. are a little better. No, I think they're gonna be good too. Yeah. It's you know, I and I think I think uh the collective demise that some people are predicting for them is way off. I think that's still clearly a playoff team. Actually it's funny, I, I'm stepping all over stuff going forward here. I don't think other than the Lakers getting into the playoffs, I don't know that the West playoffs looks all that different from a field as it did last year. I think it's going to be a lot of the same teams. I think the Lakers Lakers slide in, and who, who did I have slide now was the Thunder. Um, or the team I have slide now, but yeah. I think, you know, but I do, I do think the Utah Jazz, I'm going to go, I'm going to say this year versus being in the four five range in the West, I think they firmly step into that, um, somewhere in one, two, three. I, I think they've got, got that opportunity. I think just like Denver did last year, they can use one of the better home court advantages in the league, really to their advantage and really, really push things forward. Um, overall for the offseason, I'm going to give them a thumbs up. I'm not giving them a way, way up or a double thumbs up or anything like that because they do have those concerns. I think favors was really good for them, but I think Conley Bogdanovich Davis screen, that's the, you, you are hard pressed outside of the true superstar additions in the NBA to find a team that had a better offseason than the Jazz. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, 100% thumbs up here on the Utah Jazz. Like I said, I think they, they have some slow goings early, but then if they really hit their stride, this is a team where, you know, like if Doc Brown showed up in the DeLorean and told me that the Utah Jazz came out of the Western Conference this this next summer, uh, this next season, I wouldn't be completely surprised, right? Like it's it, that's yeah. within the realm of possibility. I wouldn't say it's likely, but I say it, it could happen. They've got that quality of a team here to where if they really hit their stride at the right time, they could wind up coming out of the Western Conference. That's certainly uh, something that I, I believe could happen. Yeah. And now we, we, we're we moving on to another team mm-hmm. here. We we As everybody knows, if you're, you listen to the show, if, if you don't, we do this randomly. And it just – and I swear randomly came up to Memphis Grizzlies who were linked in with the Jazz, uh, which is kind of interesting. This year, this summer, I get to probably stop putting so much weight on that because so many of these teams are linked together this <laughs> summer by moves and, and everything. So maybe, maybe it's not as cool as I think it is. It's like that um, – what's the game everybody used to play, like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon or something? like that where you can you can link oh, all yeah, the hollywood yeah, stars yeah. you can kind yeah, of do that in the nba everybody's kind of interconnected in, in certain ways at this point it is true there i remember it was a i remember a sports illustrated article a few years back that was um nfl quarterbacks mm-hmm. and like they basically did a chain around like all but like four teams like it was kind of crazy like everybody had switched out quarterbacks and stuff but all right the memphis grizzlies here's what what they did uh, big, big addition, John Morant. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the, the the big name here. The, the the draft brought him in, but then they did a whole lot of other stuff. They're really remaking this entire roster. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of names here. Uh, Grayson Allen brought in, Jay Crowder kind of come in in the trade. They made a whole lot of trades. Solomon Hill and Miles Plumley were brought in in exchange for Chandler Parsons, as they basically took Parsons' one big twenty five million dollar contract and broke it into two uh, smaller contracts in that deal. They got Andre Iguodala from the Warriors as the Warriors were clearing cap space to do their uh, summer moves. The Grizzlies were the ones standing around with, oh, we got, they had this giant trade exception from the Conley deal. So it was, well, we'll use part of that to go. But then they signed Tyus Jones. Uh, they lost DeLon Wright, so they signed Tyus Jones to come in. He's going to probably be the backup to, to John Moran. I like that. But then they added a good, uh, interesting, um, young third point guard option in, uh, DeAnthony Melton as they jumped 
then and got DeAnthony Mountain and Josh Jackson when the Phoenix Suns were basically, we're done with Josh Jackson. We're going to move on. And then, then uh, the guy everybody loved in the draft. And I, I know as I was watching the draft, people were like, how's this guy slipping? What, what's happening? Why yep. is he going so late? Brandon Clark, um, who proved in summer league. Yeah, maybe people were sleeping on this guy. And then their last uh, signing most recently was uh, Marco Gudborg, who's a, um, a Serbian player. He's going to kind of come in and join, join the team here. He's a big guard, um, you know, can do a lot of things along the wing. John Conchar was added on a two-way, and Matt Mooney is coming in as one of their camp guys and another guard. On the flip side, a lot of people lost. So we talked about Conley's gone. Chandler Parsons is gone. DeLon Wright is gone. Avery Bradley gone. Javon Carter went in that trade that brought them in uh, Jackson and Melton. They CJ Miles was was dealt away in another trade. Tyler Dorsey is left as a free agent. Justin Holiday is gone. Uh, Tyler Zeller and then Joe Kim Noah, the a couple of bigs who were both gone, and then Julian Washburn, one of their two way players. So a lot of roster turnover for the Grizzlies. But it's uh, as anybody who's read me or listened to me for quite some time knows, my answer to this is nothing other than it's about damn time. <laughs> <laughs> because this team had gone to you had gone beyond what you could do. They started the teardown with Gasol. They mm-hmm. finished it with with sending out Conley. And finally, you're you're moving on. I know they have that pick out there that's owed to Boston. That's uh, lottery per, top six protected and all these other things about that pick that that made it like, well, we don't know if we can do this rebuild or not. And you know, what about this? We want to be good. Give Boston a you know pick. It's it's that's gone. You can't you can't fix it. That's done. You got to move forward and i think the grizzlies here without going into detail we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute think they've kicked off this rebuild in a pretty good way yeah i mean look adding john moran i mean i think he's going to be phenomenal i was really impressed with him before the draft i think he he's going to do an incredible job for him for them and look you can see the grizzlies confidence in him as well if you're willing to hand over the keys to a rookie point guard day one and you're so believing in this player that you are going to rid yourself of Mike Conley, you're going to get rid of, or not rid yourself really, but reluctantly part with Mike Conley, who's been your franchise point guard for so long. You're going to ship him out and you're going to hand the keys over to John Brand. That says that the Grizzlies see something pretty special in him. So um, I think he's going to be a great player. I like the young pieces they've got. Jaron Jackson Jr., big fan of his. I think Love that it. he does a tremendous job. I think he that, that pairing is going to be incredible at some point. It's not going to be this year, but within the next few years, that's going to be a real duo to, to have to deal with in the league. They still have some other players. Uh, Dylan Brooks. Are we sure it's the right Brooks here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the right one. <laughs> bring him back. Bring him back. Jonas Valanciunas. I thought he was tremendous. It was like they, he finally got unleashed after being traded from the Toronto Raptors. He's an interesting guy. If you're a fantasy basketball player, he's one to, to maybe target late in your drafts. Um, he's an interesting pickup there. Grayson Allen, eh, you know, he'll, he might do some things here. Josh Jackson, not he, all of them. Nice. No things people like, yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> yeah. look like, like Josh Jackson, this is a, a second draft type of move where you're just kind yep. of bringing in a guy who flopped somewhere else. Didn't work out. Obviously he's got issues, but you might as well take a chance and who knows, maybe he winds up turning into something. And if he does, then it's, it's found gold. Uh, Brandon Clark, love that pick fits the personality of, of that city. He does a great, great job on the defensive end. So I, I like what they did. You know, I like where they're at. I like that, that they're finally committing to a rebuild. And I think they've got the, some good pieces here. So, you know what, all in all credit to the, the Memphis Grizzlies. I think they've made some nice moves. I don't think they're going to be, be a particularly good basketball team, but I think there's certainly hope for the future now. And like you said, that pick is top six protected. 
I, I wouldn't assume that it's going to transfer this year. It, it could, but I think this Grizzlies team might lose enough games to hang on to that thing. Yeah, without stepping all over the over-under, I don't think it yeah, will right. uh, convey, and I think they're going to be absolutely terrible, and I think that's perfectly fine. Get another bite at the apple with yep. a good high pick. I think by the time this team is good again, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Brandon Clark are three starters or high-end, uh, you know, big-time minute right. guys for this team. Maybe Clark stays in that super sub kind of, kind of role. I think, too, the other nice thing is guys like Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, those guys have trade value. So we're hearing a lot about why won't the Grizzlies just wave Iguodala? Why should they? Yo, now people are like they already got a pick from the Warriors. Yeah, well, and if you can go get another one, this is not a uh, the the NBA is not. Let's all be fair and play nice. Your job is to make your team as good as possible. And you know, uh, J- Jason Wexler and Zach Kleiman, who are now running basketball operations in Memphis uh, after uh, Chris Wallace let go and a couple others, they. Their job is not to be nice to people. They're not going to hold Iguodala there all year. At the very least, he'll be let, he'll be bought out by buyout season, and he'll he'll be allowed to pick his team now. And I know that's frustrating to some fans on other teams who are, well, I want this guy and I'd like to have him now. Well, the reality is Memphis doesn't have to do anything. Exhaust all your trade possibilities with a guy like that, and then go. I think Jay Crowder's another guy. Do you really need him? Probably not. You know, this is, this is, you, you don't, you know, play, play, play these other guys. You got Dylan Brooks, you got, um, you know, you got Clark, you got Jackson. Those guys are all similar ish to Crowder. Just run with those guys. Um, you know, Grayson Allen, if you want to throw him some minutes or whatever, Kyle Anderson's another guy they still have as another holdover on this team. I think, I think all around, I, I like what they did. I love, you know, you called it Jackson, second draft guy. Take a chance on a guy like mm-hmm. that and see, you know, what you can do. Find out. Melton, everybody loved Melton's uh, potential at one point in time. And this was a guy, remember, not this past summer league, but the summer league before, everybody was like, I can't believe everybody let this guy get to Houston. He's going to be so awesome. And then, then he got traded to Phoenix. And it was like, oh, man, Phoenix finally has a point guard. And then Melton didn't do anything for the entire year. So I questioned, you know, how good is he really? But Memphis can find out. Yo, yeah. in, in, in Valentinus, yeah, I think that's an important re-signing because it keeps Jackson from having to play the five. You you know, if they, they believe his position is the four, then you want to play in the four and let Valentinus be the one who handles the Joel Embiid's of the world, the, the those kind of true bigs, the Gobert's, those guys, and let him do the banging. So, yeah, all around, I think this this is pretty good, you know, for, for them. And I think, you know, they're in a position to, you know, even if it's – um not the greatest return in the world for a guy like Iguodala or Crowder. Um, you could still get something. Then they're in a position, even if let's say somehow they managed to finagle to keep Solomon Hill and Miles Plummy's contract on the books. You could eat more bad salary mm-hmm. in exchange for future draft picks. We are starting to turn the corner in the NBA. I'm going to be writing on this for Yahoo Sports pretty soon where people are, people think what we just saw is that's what's in our minds. Well, everybody's back to capped out again. Everybody's going to be capped out for at least a couple of years. So we're back to moving around dead money and that kind of stuff is going to right. be really important. I think Memphis is in a position to do a better job absorbing that than almost any other team in the league. Yeah, I agree. I think they're in a, in a good position to go ahead and absorb some salary, take on some more assets. They already showed a willingness to do that with the Iguodala deal. By the way, that pick they got from the Warriors, I think, could be amazing. I mean, this is – that, that pick. So 2024- it's protected one through four. 2025, it's protected top one. That's it. 2026, unprotected. Five years from now, who knows what the Warriors are going to look like yeah. five years from now. This could yep. be a, a deal where we're looking at this four or five years down the road 
and we're going, wait, they've got that pick. How did they get yep. that again? You know, it's it's that type <laughs> of of move where this yeah, could, could really be, pay dividends for them. Yeah, that could be one of those where now Memphis is comfortably a playoff team and Moran and Jackson are awesome. And it's like, wait, now they get the Warriors pick and right. the Warriors stink. And then you know, they, and that it's puts like them this, over the top. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 to kind of put it to where I think Celtics fans were hoping what would happen with them, right? Mm-hmm. We're a good playoff team, and now we're still getting top you know picks because of the Nets deal. That's what. Yeah, a lot of times these teams, unless you have confidence that teams going to be really bad in the next future, you want to push it. You know, I'll take it later. You know, now maybe the Warriors. You know, maybe Steph Curry plays until he's forty and looks great, and you know they're amazing. You know, but, but we'll see. But yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that one. Uh, starting five because I think this is kind of interesting. Yeah, with, with this team, I think. Um, so so I'll get into mine. I think it's going to be uh, Morant, mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Jackson, and Valanciunas. I think think that's where where we'll we'll see it open. I. But I think that has a lot of possibility to change and see different stuff. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think that's the way it's going to go. Um, I think that's at least how it starts out. I don't see, like, I don't think Grayson Allen sneaks into the starting lineup. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I could see Jay Crowder. I could see Jay Crowder yeah. potentially sneaking in as a starter at some point if Kyle Anderson starts slowly. Although Kyle, Kyle Anderson does a lot of things slowly and still manages yeah. to get the job done. <laughs> yeah. He's got that ability. But yeah, I think that's going to be the starting lineup. Um, interested to see how they integrate Tyus Jones, how much time on the floor he gets. Can you play him and John Morant side by side? I think he's an interesting fit for them there. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think starting five, Morant, Brooks, Anderson, Triple J and Jonas Valanciunas. I think that's going to be the way they roll out of the gate. Then I think coming out of the gate, the the main rotation guys are Crowder, Jones, Clark. Mm-hmm. We all talked about. I think they're going to give Jackson an opportunity, and I think you'll see uh, Gudorich. I think I think we we will see him him play. He came over for a reason, so they're going to yeah. kind of, in my guess, go without a traditional backup five. I think Jackson will see a lot of those minutes at the five when they slide over, and I don't think they're going to hesitate to play a guy like Clark or. Crowder at the five if they need to against other backup units just to see. But then Ivan Rab, Grayson Allen, DeAnthony Melton, they might get a chance. Bruno Caboclo, who actually looked pretty good this summer at the World Cup, doing some things, and you know maybe, maybe that's finally going to pay off for him. They've still got him, so I am curious to see you know how the rotation shakes out. I here's here's what I am a little bit bummed out for Andre Iguodala. I don't think he's going to play at all for yeah. Memphis because I think if you're Memphis, it's, well, well, we can't risk getting this guy hurt. So I, right. I, 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 the basketball fan in me hopes for a quicker resolution to that than, than not. Yeah. But the, the front office, you know, side of me says, no, wait until you have to, you know, go because what, what if some, you know, uh, three, four gets hurt on another team and Iguodala, they're like, wow, we really, what if, you know, PJ Tucker goes down for the Rockets you know, and the Rockets are like, man, we need another guy who can play that role. Well, Iguodala can probably play that role. And now you, you know, might need to look at that way. But yeah, I'm excited. It's funny. They're going to be absolutely terrible. But I'm more excited <laughs> to watch Memphis this year than I have been any time in probably the last three or four years. Oh, yeah. Sound, it sounds really weird, but it's 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 John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr. I just want to see those guys do stuff. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they can be. Um, on the Iguodala thing, I think, I think Memphis needs to be careful. They've got to be careful of, of something here because 
the dynamic is a little bit different than like, say we brought up Jay Crowder before and like, he's kind of in a similar situation, expiring deal, more of a veteran mm-hmm. player. Is he their long time term fit? They could eventually, you know, cut ties with him and let him go or, or find a, a trade for him. Uh, with Andre Iguodala, there's a different, there's a little bit of a different dynamic because you're looking at a veteran player who spent what, 15 years in the NBA. He's won championships. He's a final M- finals MVP and he's entering what is, I mean, at least likely, I'd say to be his final season. And yeah. so if he's if he's sitting on the bench in Memphis and you know he doesn't want to be there and you're denying that guy a chance to go out on his own terms in a, in a situation that he wants to be in, I think, I mean, not necessarily a fan backlash perspective, but from players around the league, that's kind of a bad look. And I'm not, I'm not saying the Grizzlies are going to be like a free agent destination anytime soon or anything like that. Or like, you know, some players are going to turn them down in free agency because of it. But it's just something to consider that, that, they 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 probably want to resolve this sooner rather than later and not have this turn into something where Iguodala is making more comments to the media and you've got more things blowing up about how you know he's unhappy and how they're not doing right by him. More often than not, it's better for NBA teams long term to do the right thing for the player and help them out because that tends to come back around for them. No, I yeah, you're right on that. You do have to be very cautious because you don't want this turning into a thing, especially with a whole new front office there that's, right. you know, kind of just building a reputation. I, they'll do the right thing in the end. It'll just be, you know, it's I just I don't like the idea of everybody's on one side or the other with this. It's either they have no reason to do it or they need to do it right now because it's Andre Iguodala. Well, the reality is it probably falls in the middle, right? Yeah. Is, you know, they, they should do what's right for them, but while also doing right by the player. I, 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 I would imagine by the time the trade market opens up around January, the December 15th, when all the guys are signed over the summer for the most part can be moved, that's when I think you'll see a new Iguodala move get made. All right, I already said I think they're going to be absolutely awful, so yep. let's get into their overall. <laughs> let's there. do it. 30, <laughs> 33 wins last year. All right, they were still trying to be a playoff team mm-hmm. for the bulk of the year. This year, the over-under is 27.5. Under, under, under. I think yes. they are going to be them in the Phoenix Sun. They're going to be battling for the two worst teams in the West. They are. I probably said this on the Phoenix pod, pod uh, review show that we did. If I didn't, those are the only two teams you can't talk me into being playoff teams in the uh, Western Conference. Yep. They, the other 13, I can definitely see a way they get there. Those two, not a chance. I think Memphis is going to be terrible. I think they'll be lucky to win 20 to 22 games. Let's start Let's start a new streak here, Keith. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you on, on this right. one. I think they, they are definitely going to be under, and it's not just because of the makeup of their roster. It's not just because they've got young players that they're building around. It's also because they have an incentive to be bad, they've got that pick top six protected. Otherwise, it's going to the Boston Celtics. If they are yep. hovering somewhere towards the bottom of the league and it and it's say February, they've got all the incentive in the world to take the foot off the gas, throw minutes to Grayson Allen or Josh Jackson or whoever else you want to lose tons of games and increase your odds <laughs> of keeping that pick. So again, they've got they've got a roster that's going to lose a lot of games on its own, but then they've got further incentive to go ahead and fire up the tank and uh, and try to keep that draft pick. And now that's that's when all of a sudden John Morant's not feeling so good. A little <laughs> hamstring tightness right. maybe or yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think yeah, I think they're going to be bad and then I think by the end it's going to be hey, let's get in line for you know a really good draft pick to yep. add around this and you know what? That's perfectly fine. That said, off season, I'm going to give them a little bit of the the even. Um I Morant was the only guy they could have really picked at two. Um, 
I'm just not super duper sold that he's going to be awesome. I don't, everybody knows I don't like point guards who aren't elite shooters. I just, I feel like it makes it too hard to build your offense around it. I think he's going to be a lot of fun. I think he's going to be really exciting. I just hope he is not Alfred Payton. I hope he, you know, advances beyond that. And that's, I know that's a lazy comp because of the small school guy and all those things, but I just, that, that's the worry I have. I saw that too, too up close and personal here in Orlando for four years with Payton. And everybody right. was, oh, he'll, he'll get there. He'll get there as a shooter. Yeah, but usually by the time they get there as a shooter, they're on their second or third team by that point. And for every Jason Kidd in the world who gets there as a shooter, you have, you know, 100 guys who never improve. So so that's why I'm just a, a little a little flat. But, you know, that's uh, considering where they're going from to what they're going to. That's not a I don't think that's really bad. I, I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I, I you know what? I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go thumbs up. And I'll get into my reason why for, for just a minute here. But, uh, you know, the guy shot John Morant. I'm, I just pulled his stats here because I didn't remember him being a, a super poor shooter or anything like that. But his last year at college shot 36% from three. I'll take that. Yeah, the NBA three is a step back. Uh, he shot 81% from the free throw line, 80% the season before. I, I'm not as concerned about the shooting. I think he's going to be okay. I like his burst. I think he's got a better burst than, than Alfred Payton did. So, I think he's going to be going to be pretty good. I could be wrong though. I was one of the guys uh, that was saying Markel Fultz was going to be a can't miss type player, and uh, and obviously that that's didn't not work. Although that we've yet. heard good things this summer, <laughs> yeah. so you never know. Maybe it'll turn out yeah. that I'm that I'm still right there. But I'm I'm optimistic about Moran. But I'm going to go thumbs up because they bit the bullet. They did the yeah. hard part. Right? Sometimes no, it's true. tough for teams to admit that hey, this era is over and it's time to move on and to part with guys that meant so much to their franchise like Mike Conley, like Marcus All, even though it's clearly the right thing to do, sometimes it's just tough for teams to pull the trigger and actually do it. And so I'm going to give them credit for doing that and for assembling the roster that they have. You know, I think they've got some interesting young pieces. They're going to be a bad basketball team, but I think that's okay for them right now. They're going to rebuild for the future. And uh, again, credit to them for being uh, being brave and going ahead and doing it. Yeah, I, that's also part of why I'm flat on it is because it just took too damn long to get there. This should have been done a couple of years ago. But I'm with you. It is that is one of the hardest things to do and to tell your fans like, hey, right. this era is over. Um, you need to go now. That said, their fans should be super excited to build around right. Jackson, Morant, and Clark. Like those are three. Those are three better building blocks than most teams get to to kind of kick off a, a new iteration there. So, are you ready to spin the wheel? Well, of let's Rampers? do it. Spin the wheel of fate. Right. We are, oh, speaking of Markel Fultz, the Orlando Magic. All right. And the Houston Rock. Sweet. I like so it. That'll be our next, next, uh, so yeah, that, that's good. And we may, just to kind of get caught up after I take time off for that hurricane, we may, add, we, we may add a third team mm-hmm. in there. Well, we'll see if that, that'll be at, uh, Trevor and I's choosing. Um, do want to close with something though. We, we ask you guys every time we do a show to give us ratings and reviews on iTunes. And I will say, um, y- y'all came through because we're, we're up to, you know, good, you know, we, we got a few more ratings, but please continue to do that. But I want to, I want to give this, I wish the guy left a better name. Um, then mailbag question, um, which mailbag question is awesome because we'll take them. If you want to throw a question in, in the iTunes review, we will absolutely 100% take it and answer it. We're talking a little bit before the show. We may do a full, whole mailbag show here, uh, coming forward where we'll go to Twitter and other, other avenues to source questions. But, but anyway, I want to read this review because I think, think this is a lot of fun. I think, um, you know, uh, 
this is it. And he says, the title is Lakers, Celtics, and NBA fans. Um, give this a listen. Who would have thunk a Celtics guy and a Lakers fan would make such a good team? But instead of spitting hot takes and one-upping each other over their primary teams, they stick to the facts, details, and geeky things that make the NBA great. It's such a welcome departure from fandom in the, uh, I won't mention them, but other podcast networks. And it's less dry than other podcast focused or other cap space focused podcasts. And he goes on to mention who that is. Um, <laughs> but Trevor and Keith have just as good a chemistry as uh, these other folks. So that's, that's you know, very, very much appreciated. We we yes. like that. And then uh, Chad200 also left us a review that says, this is everything I want in a basketball podcast. The analysis is great, but so is the back and forth. Keep it up. So we very much appreciate those. So please head over to iTunes. Continue to do ratings and reviews for us. It's important that you do both. It, it helps get the word out there about the podcast. Barring any more hurricanes, um, we will be on a very regular recording schedule. Just, you know, life happens. Hurricanes happen, I guess, where I live. So it is, you know, it's part of it. But but we are, um, you know, super supportive. Again, I thank you to everyone who reached out and uh, said, you know, nice things, kind things, and offered to help if we needed anything. We very, very fortunately, I said this at the top of the show, my family and I don't need anything. We are fine after the hurricane. But if you are so inclined, if you have that, that spirit to help and move please go find a charity of your choice and help out the bahamas and abaco island because it is really really important um those folks are really struggling they're going through a lot and we've got a lot of other weather still headed our way hurricane season goes all the way to november 1st so that's you know something uh that, that you deal with in this part of the world but they they really got hit hard so if you know all, all those who offer to help us we are fine please take that same generous spirit and help others because it is very very important to us and and, uh, you know, beyond that, again, ratings and reviews on iTunes. We you know, super appreciate it and uh, support our sponsors too, right, Trevor? Yeah, absolutely. Support uh, betonline.ag. Make sure you use that promo code CLNS50 to get your 50% welcome bonus. And like Keith said, support people that are, are struggling with uh, with the hurricane, with what happened with Hurricane Dorian. And uh, just on a personal note, made my day hearing those those reviews. That's um, that's tremendous stuff. We certainly do appreciate it. Right. So if you guys wouldn't uh, wouldn't mind continuing to toss us those ratings and reviews, um, we'd love it. Yeah, five star five star rating, please. If yeah. uh, if you are so inclined. Yeah, if you if you don't like it, let us know what you don't like, and we'll do better to 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 fix it. And mm. and 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 I know some of what people don't like because I've heard it is like we need shows more, and it's like we we, we know we're we're working on it. We're we're here now. Hopefully, you know, I'm not knocking on wood all over my desk here, and hopefully we're good to go go with that. So yeah. So what did, what do we just say? I forgot already. Orlando and Houston. And, and Houston. Has. Yep. Yeah, so two two fun ones. Uh, one one that stayed a lot the same, and one one that made some big changes. Well, one that made some big changes while we were together. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> in, uh, in Las Vegas, so we can uh, can, can relive that a little bit. But yeah, thanks everyone so much. We we su- super appreciate all the support and everything uh, for for the show. You know, get out there and uh, you know, thanks again to uh, Lakers Nation and CLNS Media as well for everything they do. All right, anything guys. to close with? Nah, I think that's that's gonna do it. Um, oh, make sure you follow Keith on Twitter at Keith Smith oh, yeah. NBA, and you can follow me at Trevor Lane, Trevor underscore Lane. Uh, I think that's it. So till next time, we'll talk about Orlando and the Houston Rockets. Till then, see ya.